I want to take you through a week of Washington Post propaganda so you can understand that when the media fucks up, it's not just one fuck up. It's always, there's always more to it. Um, It's basically, it's deliberate. It It is something that they deliberately do and something that they are, these outlets are just rotten to the core. So, obviously, you remember uh, my stream where we talked about the al-Baghdadi killing, which was on Sunday. And just before I get into this as well, I want to say a lot of this information was collated by a journalist called Madeline Osborne, uh, who I'm I'm not sure what publication she writes for. She may be a freelancer, um, but she tweeted an article out uh, that had, like, this kind of timeline. So I'm, I'm certainly borrowing... Uh, from the groundwork that she did because there was a couple of details I missed out but obviously you remember of course what happened with um, al-Baghdadi I did a stream on that day I got a little bit heated because um, you know it's 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 mind-blowing to me the the VOD's going to be out soon Um, but basically (laughs) they caught they referred to the leader of ISIS as an austere uh, religious scholar an austere religious scholar. Uh, they they changed the headline, uh, but this is what they this is what they went with. Not initially, but secondarily, they changed a headline that called him the terrorist in chief, and then changed it to this: Abu Bakr al Baghdadi, austere religious scholar at the helm of Islamic State, dies at forty eight. Now, I have said that the, the the entire tone of this article is so stupefying to me i i just i just can't understand it i can't understand what they were really going for here because when the leader of an of a impossibly evil terrorist organization that is um engaged in in rape kidnapping beheading as well as just general oppression and murder of the citizenry around them to get their way um uh, you know i i don't know why you're trying to tell me about what a good guy he used to be like on the day he's been killed it really felt like what the washington post were going for here was it was almost like because donald trump was taking credit for him we're gonna try and frame this guy in a much more humane light because as i said donald trump did give a very bizarre speech he came out and he said listen uh, he died whimpering like a dog and, and all of this like weird details, which again shows you the fundamental difference between the Obama presidency and the Trump presidency. Obama, um, he knows what to say, but then he does stuff that's outrageous. So, for example, a lot of people said, oh, well, when a- a- Obama's administration killed bin Laden, there was, n- there was none of this spectacle. They sold the rights to the operation to a movie company to make a piece of cinematic propaganda because I'll tell you this for free. It didn't go down the way they said. But it's alright, you watch Zero Dark fucking 40 or whatever it's fucking called, and that's fine. You know, it, it's all good. You watch that movie and, and you believe it, okay? But anyway, but but he knew what to say in the speech. Trump doesn't, he just says whatever comes out of his head and it's, it, it's really grating and jarring. But at the end of the day, he the political timing of this was very smart because he was taking a lot of heat for withdrawing from Syria and people were saying this will embolden ISIS in that region and they nailed the head of ISIS and killed him um so you know just saying so anyway the the Washington Post they they did this they put this out um I don't know why 
it, it, again, it was just very bizarre. So this was Sunday. So October 27th. On Monday, right, they had a very tough time. Um, I'm doing a video on this separately, but I'll bring this up. I don't think some of you um, caught this. But do you remember the uh, Covington situation? So I'll give you a summary. There was a teenager called Nick Sandman who, because previously, the day prior, BuzzFeed had fucked up and said they'd seen evidence of a story that proved Russian collusion and then had to admit they hadn't seen evidence and then the story turned out to be wrong, the media were frantically looking for something to direct your attention to. There was a protest going on, anti-Trump protests, that included a Native American who was banging a drum and this teenager, um, Nick Sandman, stood there smiling at him while wearing a Make America Great Again hat. The media ran with this and said that that teenager was a racist and that his grin was proof of the evils of white privilege and people called for him to be put into a wood shredder, which was allowed on Twitter because when the blue verifieds threaten you, it's fine. When you do it, you're banned. Um, what's her name? Kathy Griffin, that fucking lunatic, called for him to be doxxed. She said, I want names. She's still allowed on Twitter. It went insane. It went insane. And all this kid did was smile at a Native American who was walking towards him banging a drum. Now, incredibly, uh, what happened initially was they brought up uh, the potential of a defamation case, which for me, I was looking at it with my cursory understanding of defamation law, being a, being a journalist, and I'd said, okay, this is open and shut. They, they'll settle that. Because to label a kid racist for smiling is ridiculous. But no, what actually happened was it went to court and they got told that the $250 million defamation lawsuit was going to be um, overturned. And all the blue checks celebrated it. They celebrated it, mate. Um... They were all saying good. The guy was a uh, the guy was a, a, a little shit. All of this, um, because a federal judge dismissed it. And like I say, the Washington Post thought they got away with one. Well, here's what's hilarious: on Monday, while they're still reeling from all the shit they're taking on the Al Baghdadi thing, the judge that reversed it actually reviewed an amended complaint and reinstated the case. I bet you didn't know that, did you? Do you know why you don't know it? Because nobody wants to report it. So they don't want you to know that, yes, we can hold the media accountable. So I'll show you I'll show you the report here so you can just see. The Hill picked up on the story. Generally like the Hill, it's not one of the bad ones. Um, judge reinstates part of lawsuit. Quiet. 
Judge reinstates part of a lawsuit filed by Covington student against Washington Post. A federal judge has reinstated part of a lawsuit against the Washington Post, alleging that the newspaper defamed a Kentucky teen in its coverage of an encounter between high school students and a Native American activist. Judge William O. Bertelsman on Monday ruled that the case could enter the discovery phase and that a small part of the initial lawsuit could proceed. The decision came just months after Bertelsman dismissed the case on the grounds that the Post reporting on the matter was protected by the First Amendment. Yes, that's correct. The same newspaper paper that you're going to see that published an opinion piece saying we need hate speech laws hides behind the first amendment when they call people racist isn't that isn't that interesting isn't it interesting that they do that that they when when, when they fuck up and make an error um defamation isn't covered by the first amendment by the way um you absolutely can sue people for it but yeah we we like to hide behind the first amendment when it suits us but we should totally get rid of the first amendment if you want to say mean things about politicians or journalists on twitter these people are a fucking meme you can't believe they're real the family of Nicholas Salman, a Covington Catholic high school student, sued the Post for 250 million damages in, in February over its coverage of the teen and his classmates' encounter with a Native American elder in Washington, D.C. The suit accused the newspaper of having targeted and bullied Salman and of publishing a series of false and defamatory print and online articles about the incident. All true. Sandman had appeared in a viral video in January standing in front of Nathan Phillips, a Native American elder, as Phillips beat a small drum on the Lincoln Memorial stairs. Several of Sandman's classmates, sporting Make America Great hats, were chanting and cheering amid the encounter. Phillips had claimed that Sandman blocked his ability to move, though Sandman denied doing so. Bertelsmann in July cited statutes protecting opinion. This wasn't opinion, this was just fake reportage. Uh, Bertelsmann in July cited statutes protecting opinion while dismissing the 33 statements that Sandman's family had sued the Post over. He also cited case law while arguing that statements in articles on Sandman needed to be more than annoying, offensive, or embarrassing. Few principles of law are as well established as the rule that statements of opinion are not action actionable in libel actions. That's fair. That's absolutely correct. Um, Bertelsmann wrote, the statements that Sandman challenges constitute protected opinions that may not form the basis for a defamation claim. So it's okay to objectively state someone is racist, according to this judge, um, and to falsely represent what activities he was engaging in, as long as you frame it as an opinion. And then you wonder why journalism is skewed more towards opinion rather than uh, fact, factual reporting. Uh, um, after reviewing an amended complaint, Bertelsmann ruled on Monday that three statements related to the post-coverage of Phillips' claim that Sandelman blocked Phillips warranted further review. These three statements state that Sandman blocked Nathan Phillips and would not allow him to retreat. These are lies. Uh, suffice to say that the court has given this matter careful review and concludes that justice requires that discovery be ha had regarding these statements and their context. The court will then consider them anew on summary judgment. Bertelsmann noted that the amended complaint accuses Phillips of deliberately lying about the encounter. The complaint also claims that, the Phil that Phillips had an unsavory reputation that the newspaper should have been aware of in its coverage. And this is true, uh, that the man that was framed as a Native American elder, which can be true it doesn't contradict anything he did in the past was they also said he was a veteran not quite this was a guy that had spent time in the brig that's like uh, and, and had gone literally awol multiple times so didn't have this distinguished veteran record and was in fact actually dismissed from the military if i remember correctly so and they just didn't say anything about that history of there was also history uh, of, of um substance abuse and alcohol problems and stuff like that which honestly when 
when you're framing someone as like a Mother Teresa, Christ-like figure, those things are relevant. I don't think they matter. They shouldn't matter. You shouldn't use addiction, substance abuse problems to beat somebody over the head with and discredit them. It's kind of a dick, you know, dick move. But the reality is when, when you're framing this person as beyond reproach, anything that proves that they have indeed erred from this perfect persona you're carving out for them is important and relevant. Uh, that's just how that works. So... So now they're getting sued again for up to $250 million. Brilliant. Love that, right? And especially after all the cheering and the whooping and the hollering and how fucking, you know, happy they were that the, that it had been dismissed. Uh, right, let me let me get to the... Uh, where the fuck did I put this other link? Sorry, I've got like about 500 tabs open as I usually do. Might close a few of these tabs, eh? Um... Right, so later that day, they put out an opinion piece, right? Which, again, I tweeted about this. If you were in any doubt about al-Baghdadi being a, uh, you know, that, that, that when they called him an austere religious scholar, if you were in any doubt that the Washington Post were doing PR for the head of ISIS, this is not hyperbole, this is accurate. They put out a, um, a, a, an opinion piece by a journalist called Max Boot, where, again, so desperate they were to discredit Trump and his version of the story, which multiple media outlets were doing, they basically ran uh, a, a positive piece about the head of ISIS. Here it is. A president who has never heard a shot fired in anger reveled in Baghdadi's last moments. Um, the imp it's quite famous that we all know Donnie Darko d dodged the draft. It's interesting as well because so did George Bush. Um... I don't recall Obama having served. Um, I'm not saying he was, but he didn't dodge a draft because there was no draft to dodge. Um, but, uh, it, it, you know, B Bush Bush dodged the draft and we all love him now. He's he's watching football with fucking Ellen DeGeneres. So it's all good, right? Um, so, but we all know about Donnie Darko. For those of you who don't know, the, uh, he, got a, he got a doctor who was a friend of his very wealthy family to say he had bone spurs um, and therefore couldn't serve in the military because that was valid grounds for a medical exemption. This then later has been admitted that, yeah, it was a favor to keep him out. Now, I'll just add this, by the way. Fuck the draft. Fuck forcing anybody to fight in the military. Fuck that. And... It, it's interesting, isn't it, that people who dodge the draft, if their politics are bad, get fucking called out for it. But people who refuse to serve in the forces, like, you know, Muhammad Ali, they're fucking held up as, as uh, doing the right thing and, and, and taking a stand and everything else. You know, it's, it's weird, isn't it? It's almost as if, like, you just shouldn't force people to go in the military, just saying. That's my opinion. Hot take time, I guess. But anyway... A president was never heard a shot fired in anger, reveled in Baghdadi's last moments, even claiming he died like a coward, whimpering and crying and screaming all the way. By the way, the idea you have to serve in the military to enjoy the head of ISIS getting killed is a mind... That's a mind fuck to me. I enjoyed it. I haven't been in the military. I think we all should enjoy it. Yes, revel, rejoice. The head of ISIS, the evil fuck, is dead. The only bad thing about it, he blew up his own kids because he's a cunt. Right? But it's good he's gone. Trump could not possibly have heard whimpering and crying on the overhead imagery because there was no audio. 
And this, by the way, that link takes you through to something that says uh, that the the type of camera typically used in these operations uh, wouldn't have um, or uh, wouldn't have an audio feed. Um, and Defense Secretary Mark T. Esper and General Mark Milley, the Chairman of the Joint Chief of Staff, pointedly refused to confirm any details, as they would. The assertion that Baghdadi died as a coward was, in any case, contradicted by the fact that rather than be captured, he blew himself up. So remember, guys, if you're the head of ISIS... You, you're not a coward if you detonate your suicide vest. All that other cowardly shit you did, like using an army to kidnap people and beheading people and torturing people for your own sick, demented amusement, the definitions of cowardly, repugnant acts, um, don't worry about it. As long as you blow yourself up at the end, you're not, you're not a coward. So they ran that. And not only did they run that, Max Boot himself tweeted that out as the, the tagline to hook you in. So he knew exactly what he was saying and exactly what he was doing. And then he apologized later and went, oh, no, 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 I mean, I didn't mean, I didn't mean to make it sound like I think Al Baghdadi's a brave man. Yeah, you do, you motherfucker. Yeah, you fucking do. Because you're so fucking jacked up on the notion of orange man bad. Just huffing that fucking orange man bad. <sighs> yeah, 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 he's the, he's the worst. He's the most evil man who ever lived. You would actually write something positive about a, a terrorist. Now, I'm just saying this. Haven't seen Donald Trump be behead, you know, put somebody in an orange jumpsuit and have them beheaded yet. Haven't seen that yet. Haven't seen that yet. Haven't seen him doing press conferences. We really do have the best beheadings, don't we? Soaring off a fucking journalist's head with a machete. Haven't seen that yet. So maybe, just fucking maybe... You know, when, when when assessing who's worse, the president of the United States or the head of ISIS, maybe, you know, you might want to just, before you fucking get your little Twitter fingers fucking typing, you might want to have a think about what you're about to say. Because this this one line should mark you for life as an absolute grade A cunt. He then goes on to speculate as well in the piece, by the way. Most likely, okay, most likely in the mind of Max Boot, a man who thinks al-Baghdadi is a brave soldier. Most likely, Trump made up the vivid details about Baghdadi's last moments, just as he made up his claim that he alone called for action against Osama bin Laden prior to 9-11. And I'm saying to people, take out Osama bin Laden that nobody ever heard of, Trump recounted. So that sentence doesn't even say that he alone called for action against Osama bin Laden. You can't even correctly interpret a quote. Why are you writing for a fucking national newspaper? Oh, that's right. They don't even do that anymore. Don't worry. In reality, a ghost-written book bearing Trump's name, which came out in 2000, included a brief mention of bin Laden, already a world-famous terrorist who was being hunted by the US government, but did not suggest killing him. He never said in his book. He said, I'm saying to people, take out Osama bin Laden. He's saying to people conversations don't say he doesn't talk to politicians they all wanted some of his money so again like th these attempts these attempts at fact checking this is max boot by the way max boot is a fucking well-known columnist a very well-paid columnist one of the highest paid columnists probably is at the washington post he's been writing for years he's a fucking moron isn't isn't that incredible 
that he can't he is so blinded by his fucking orange man bad rage he can't even do basic fact checking within a sentence of each other this guy should have been fired for this not just because of the stupid line that al-baghdad is a coward but because of the lack of technical competence in his writing but no there there are no there's no accountability anymore there's no oversight even the press complaints commission's toothless they can't hold up anything anymore That is Zoo do, do It. That is a good description of him. Max Headroom's unhinged, oh, sorry, unfinished clone. Or unhinged clone would have worked as well. Yeah, you're right. Anyway. So, this is just Monday, by the way. <laughs> so, they had to issue another correction and another apology for saying uh, Al-Baghdadi was courageous. They then took it back. Then, on Tuesday, the Washington Post, okay, Right, the Washington Post, who talk endlessly about the importance of the free press. They changed their tagline to democracy dies in darkness, implying that if there was a media shutout, democracy would fail fundamentally. Even though they do not realize themselves, every time they publish a provable lie, they are eroding democracy. They are enemies of democracy. They don't seem to be aware of this. Democracy dies in print. <laughs> it would be a far more appropriate tagline, but whatever. They right here, Trump takes aim at a free press. They 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 understand the importance of a free press. Cause obviously. Right? Because obviously. They've written um directly saying Trump is a threat to the First Amendment. But then the Washington Post published, and again, it's it's crazy. They the same week they've just come back off this. They published an article saying America needs a hate speech law, that we need to erode the First Amendment that they were complaining about being eroded, and the timing on it is terrible. Because you're having this terrible week. There it is. Why America needs a hate speech law. I don't know why we've gone into night mode on the Washington Post, but it's fine. Somebody definitely archived this one because it was outrageous. What's interesting is Richard Stengel, the, the journalist that wrote this, also just completely and transparently gave away why he wants a hate speech law. See if you can guess where we're going to go. So Richard Stengel, former editor of Time magazine, wrote Information Wars how hilarious uh and was the state department's undersecretary for public diplomacy and public affairs from 2013 to 2016 wait who was the guy who was the president then who was the president then can't remember it weren't it weren't it weren't trump was it oh no it was the other guy it was obama the democrat right 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 well let's hear all about it by the way president obama's attacks on the free press Way worse than Donald Trump. It's not even up for debate. Move back whistleblower laws. Used uh, uh, offshoots of the Patriot Act to spy on journalists. Wanted to ban Fox News entirely from being able to report on the White House. Had whistleblowers arrested. Had a journalist put under investigation. So, you're asleep at the wheel then, mate, Mr. Stengel. 
hey, but it's all right. You were working for fucking Obama. Not a problem. Yeah, exactly. See, you get it, FPS Fizzkiss. What if Obama and Trump were bad in different ways? Imagine that. Imagine being able to think like that. Wouldn't it be amazing if we were allowed to think like that? And yeah, maybe the same way in some areas, but definitely in different ways in different areas. Okay, but anyway, when I was a journalist, I loved Justice Oliver Wendell Holmes Jr.'s assertion that the Constitution and the First Amendment are not just about protecting free thought for those who agree with us, but freedom for the thought that we hate. But as a government official traveling around the world championing the virtues of free speech, I came to see how our First Amendment standard is an outlier. Even the most sophisticated Arab diplomats I dealt with did not understand why the First Amendment allows someone to burn a Quran. Why, they asked me, would you ever want to protect that? It's a fair question. Wrong. No, absolutely not a fair question, brother. It's interesting you've gone straight to that example as well, by the way. Um... It's a book. <laughs> Burn it if you want. It's that simple. You know? It's like, American people don't like it when you burn the American flag, but it's like, the First Amendment gives them the protected right to do it. It's not nice, but that's the point of the First Amendment. You don't have to like it. They got the right to do it. It's a fair question, isn't it? Yes, the First Amendment protects the thought that we hate, but it should not protect hateful speech that can cause violence by one group against another. It doesn't. Any direct calls to violence are not protected. This has been established in law. But, so why do you want to erode it <laughs> when there's already laws that cover what you're talking about? It's weird, weird, isn't it? But keep in mind, again, Washington Post, lovers of the free press. The press would absolutely be impacted by any erosion of the First Amendment, but whatever. In an age when everyone has a megaphone, that seems like a design flaw. It is important to remember that our First Amendment doesn't just protect the good guys. Our foremost liberty also protects any bad actors who hide behind it to weaken our society. In the weeks leading up to the 2016 election, Russia's internet research agency planted false stories hoping they would go viral. They did. Russian agents assumed fake identities, promulgated false narratives, and spread lies on Twitter and Facebook, all protected by the First Amendment. This sounds like things that you do every day, and you're meant to be the media. So, you know, sorry if I'm not outraged about that, but okay. The Russians understood that our free press and its reflex towards balance and fairness would enable Moscow to slip its destructive ideas into our media ecosystem. When Putin said back in 2014 that there were no Russian troops in Croatia, an outright lie, he knew our media would report it, and we did. You can also investigate and challenge lies as journalists. You don't just have to blindly report everything you're told by public figures because you need clicks. Just also putting that out there. A little bit of advice. That's partly because the intellectual underpinning of the First Amendment was engineered for a simpler era. The amendment rests on the notion that the truth will win out in what Supreme Court Justice William O. Douglas called the marketplace of ideas. This marketplace model has a long history going back to 17th century English intellectual John Milton. Yes, yes, yes. But in all that time, no one ever quite explained how good ideas drive out bad ones, how truth triumphs over falsehood. Um, I mean, it just does more often than not. Because the truth is usually self-evident. If you scrutinize a fact, <laughs> the lie doesn't stand up to the scrutiny. The idea that that doesn't happen is uh, gibberish. Um, it happens more, more often than not. There is an issue now with the internet about how fast a lie can spread. But if we had a responsible media that corrected things, 
if the media functioned the way that it should, if people could trust the media again, wouldn't that be 90% of the battle won? Hmm, thinking. Milton, an early opponent of censorship, said truth would prevail in a free and open encounter. A century later, the framers believed that this marketplace was necessary for people to make informed choices in a democracy. Somehow, magically, truth would emerge. The presumption has always been that the marketplace would offer a level playing field, but in the age of social media, that landscape is neither level nor fair. On the internet, truth is not optimized. On the web, it's not enough to battle falsehood with truth. The truth doesn't always win. In the age of social media, the marketplace model doesn't work. A 2016 Stanford study showed 82% of middle schoolers couldn't distinguish between an ad-labeled sponsored content and an actual news story. Again, I don't know, maybe you could stop running that sponsored content and making it look like news. Maybe. Or maybe that's just an indicator of how fucking redundant you are into most people's lives. And you really need to have a think about winning people back, winning those hearts and minds. Only a quarter of high school students could tell the difference between an actual verified news site and one from a deceptive account designed to look like a real one. Since World War II, many nations have passed laws to curb the incitement of racial and religious hatred. Yes, these laws started out as protections against the kinds of anti-Semitic bigotry that gave rise to the Holocaust. We call them hate speech laws, but there's no agreed upon definition of what hate speech actually is. In general, hate speech is speech that attacks and insults people on the basis of race, religion, ethnic origin, and sexual orientation. I think it's time to consider these statutes. The modern standard of dangerous speech comes from Brandenburg v. Ohio, 1969, and holds that speech directly incites imminent lawless action, or is likely to do so, or, or, or is likely to do so can be restricted. Domestic terrorists such as Dylan Roof and Omar Mateen and the El Paso shooter were consumers of hate speech. Speech doesn't pull the trigger, but does anyone seriously doubt that such hateful speech creates a climate where such acts are more likely? So so far, you might be thinking he's making a reasonable argument. I'm gonna right. All speech is not equal, and where truth cannot drive out lies, we must add new guardrails. I'm all for protecting thoughts that we hate, but not speech that incites hate. It undermines the very values of a fair marketplace of ideas that the First Amendment is designed to protect. So, what do you think he was really getting at here, guys? I'm going to show you, because the beauty with these guys is they always fuck up. They always, they always tip what the fucking... They always tip what the secret meaning is. I'm going to just get you his tweet. You'll notice this is conspicuously absent in the piece. He tweeted it out. My Washington Post piece on why the very broadness of the First Amendment suggests we should have a hate speech law. And if we did, why the president might be in violation of it. Mate, you want to fucking erode the First Amendment so you can shut down Trump's Twitter account? Are you fucking legit? That's what that's about? You didn't even mention it in the article, but that's why you wrote it. By the way, nothing on Trump's Twitter account would ever be considered hate speech in, in, in any sensible country, even the ones with hate speech laws. Can you even imagine it? So let's erode the First Amendment because Donald Trump's Twitter account makes me sad. Okay, good. Um, <laughs> and I want you to think as well that 
when you're an editor of a news publication and that news publication talks incessantly about the importance of a free press, why on earth would you publish something that calls for the erosion of the First Amendment? It is, it is ridiculous. On Wednesday, the Washington Post, uh, they they have a, a they have a supposedly conservative columnist because they like to pretend they're balanced and that someone called Jennifer Rubin you might have seen some of her work before, um, she uh, tried to make some fucking um, dismissive comments about uh, the, the the about um, Donald Trump wanting to pick uh, a, a certain court judges. And they wanted to dismiss them. So what Jennifer, uh, what Jennifer Rubin did here, let me show you. She went through and picked up some Huffington Post blog posts uh, to basically say that these women shouldn't be, uh, you know, these picks that Trump's trying to make shouldn't be allowed. And you can see here, called them unqualified in one, right? Uh, Trump is rushing through unqualified judges faster than anyone else. Again, unqualified. Senate advances Trump court pick who blamed women for date rape. This is Naomi Rao, who um, is up for a lifetime appointment to the federal court, um, but she'd written something back in college saying that women need to take some responsibility in the date rape paradigm. So this is like how they're spending their time. And then, incredibly, another journalist came out and said, listen, Jennifer, you're out of fucking order here. This is ridiculous. This is uh, Jan Crawford from CBS said, what's your point? Are you saying a 46-year-old Naomi Rowe lacks experience to be a judge because of something she wrote when she was in college at Yale 25 years ago? You know, like, I thought we wanted women in positions of power, by the way. D isn't that what we want? Isn't that what we're supposed to be fighting for? So Trump's trying to get a female judge on the thing. Like, didn't, we, didn't we say this after Kavanaugh? After the Kavanaugh lies, weren't we all saying, like, oh, yeah, yeah, women, we need women in the Supreme Court. Then things will change, all right? Here's a, here's a woman. And then they argued about her qualifications and caliber. She was appointed to the most critical circuit with zero judicial experience other than as a clerk. She is not experienced. And then Jan Crawford said, only a federal district court judge or state court appellate judge can be nominated to an, a federal appellate court. You ask about experience, she is very low, as are a number of other nominees. And then they pointed out, again, I'm glad Justice Kagan can be glad President Obama didn't agree with you on that, because yes, Obama appointed a judge that would have met the standard of being unqualified, according to Jennifer Rubin. So now... They contradict some of their central messages. Go look at the Washington Post coverage for the whole fucking Kavanaugh debacle and how that we need women in positions of power. Here's a woman going into a position of power. Hey, she wrote something at college 25 fucking years ago. This is like one of their top figureheads over there. It, it, it's insane. Then they get something just out and out factually wrong. This is Thursday. The Washington Post. They publish a story. 
White House official Tim Morrison expected to confirm Bill Taylor's account that Trump appeared to seek a quid pro quo arrangement. This is all about the Ukrainian debacle, where they're trying to use it as impeachment grounds by saying that Donald Trump said, if you do us a favor, we will give you monetary aid. If you don't do us the favor, we won't. This is what the quid pro quo is. So Aaron Blake, senior political reporter at the Washington Post, ran this story and said, yep, they will confirm it, right? Uh, Tim Morrison's going to come out, and he works in the White House, and he's going to confirm that a quid, uh, quid pro quo actually happened. Turns out, wrong. No, uh, actually, he confirmed the exact opposite. <laughs> he actually contradicted uh, the story entirely. Uh, his statement reads, in fact, here you go. Uh, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll get you the article so you can see it yourself. It's so ridiculous. So, this is just a daily piece. This is just the first one that comes up. Latest impeachment witness. I wasn't worried that Donald Trump broke the law with the call. So this is the guy that the Washington Post said was going to come out and blow the lid off and confirm what the whistleblower had said and said it was quid pro quo and yes, you're getting strobed and yes, they got ads everywhere. But but, it, but it's just garbage. It's just a full-blown lie. It's just a full... It's just a lie. I'll read you the statement. Uh, I want to be clear. I was not concerned that anything illegal was discussed. Former NSC Senior Director for European Affairs Tim Morrison testified today according to a record for his remarks. I have no reason to uh, believe the Ukrainians had any knowledge of the military funding review either until August 28th, tw uh, 2019, Morrison said. But wait, the Washington Post just fucking published a story saying it was definitely going to be the other way around. It's there. They stand by it. Th the reporting is still there. Why would it still be there? You were completely wrong, like 100% inaccurate. Then <laughs> there was a, there was another story on the same day, far less of a e explosive one. Um, they published this uh, scathing letter received from American Bar Association. So I'll just show you the story. Again, if you haven't been following all of this bullshit over in the court nominees, I don't blame you. It's not particularly interesting. But anyway, Trump judicial nominee cries over scathing letter from American Bar Association. This was where uh, um, somebody that was up for nomination to uh, the, I think it was the Supreme Court, or, sorry, Federal Court. And he basically said that um, he, he started crying because somebody had said he'd said something homophobic and was, was a homophobic bigot. And he started crying. So everybody was like, well, he doesn't have that judicial temperament because when people break for, from being smeared and show being human, that's actually bad. But what's hilarious is in this fucking story that they publish, the Washington Post, if you read through it, right, let me, let me just show you the tricks that they do. Let's see if it'll actually work and not go into night mode this time. Bring up the front page course.
Right, well, you, you can take my word for it. Because <laughs> it's not going to open. It keeps fucking going back to the paywall. So you can take my word for it, right? That what they say here is that this is a terrible letter. It's neutral. It's written by the American Bar Association. Um, and, and, and it's completely damning and blah, blah, blah. And then it turns out, yeah, do you know who wrote it? Political opponent, somebody that had like some personal beef on the guy. Then, obviously, as I showed you, the Washington Post had to get involved with the fucking dog story. And there it is. That was them reaching out to the Medal of Honor recipient ceremony on the same day. Bringing us full circle with the dog fucking story. They just had, they couldn't let that one slide. And as we saw the emails that Ben Shapiro published, then on Friday, they ran this story. So if you've been following the Ukraine stuff, you'll know Adam Schiff. There's some crazy ass bullshit going on with these impeachment hearings. I don't care if you think the president should be impeached or not. There is a process that you absolutely have to follow. I went through this once when I watched it all happen with Bill Clinton. It was nonsensical. Uh, there, there's, there's a process. The reason the grounds for Bill Clinton's impeachment were that he lied multiple times. There's a great book about it by Christopher Hitchens called No One Left to Lie To. He lied while under oath. That's obviously an impeachable offense because the president shouldn't be lying when he's giving sworn testimony in a court. None of us should. It's it's perjury. He perjured himself. So, um, which is a crime and it's an impeachable crime. Uh, now, it's always framed by people, oh, they tried to impeach Bill Clinton over getting his dick sucked. No, that actually wasn't the problem. The problem was, the problem wasn't he got his dick sucked by an intern, which was an abuse of power, and then f dropped bombs to distract, killing thousands to distract us from the fact he got his dick sucked with an intern. It's not that he used his political machinery to make her life absolutely miserable and anybody else miserable uh, who ever accused him of any sort of sexual assault. It's not that he then subsequently suppressed all of the people who came out and said, yeah, Bill Clinton's a fucking sex fiend. You know, nothing to do with that, by the way. Like... It was just it was just this simple. He lied under oath and said I didn't have sexual relations with that woman. So that's impeachable, but it's always framed. Oh, they tried to impeach him over a blowjob. Nah, weren't like that. This far less black and white in terms of whether or not it's an impeachable offense. But by the by, irrelevant. Here's what you've got to know. They, they are not following a process. They're having closed hearings. That should be open. They're not naming witnesses. They're leaking stuff to the press and then retaining other stuff and holding it back from the public. No one knows what the fuck's going on. One minute they're saying this whistleblower has explosive testimony. The next saying we don't even need the whistleblower because then it turned out that the whistleblower had already talked to them beforehand before he decided to blow the whistle. People think they've identified the whistleblower and it turns out, guess what? Yes, he's a Democratic operative who was involved in Russiagate. The whole thing's a fucking shit shambles right so whether or not there's a grounds for it there just follow the process now if i was a paper and i was writing about politics one of the things i would do fair and balanced is i would look at whether or not what donald trump did if it was a quid pro quo is an impeachable offense they're saying yes I, i'm not seeing any sort of statutes or anything that point to that but you know whatever they're saying it would fall under the uh, impeach you can impeach him because it demeans the honor of the office so whatever okay 
But then on the other hand, I would also look at why the people who were trying to impeach our president are not following any conceivable process and are constantly changing the story, working in cahoots with the press. I would want to know what's going on there too because it does it's off-putting to the American people. Keep in mind that when you impeach a president, you are just reverse, reversing the previous election. That's what it is. So you have to absolutely dot the I's and cross the T's and make sure you've got a cast iron case because you're essentially pissing off 50% of the country right then and there and, and unravel. And, and, and unraveling the manifest will of the majority of people. So impeachment's a big deal, guys. And Adam Schiff's been at the heart of it talking about, I mean, this is the guy who for two years wouldn't shut up about how Russia was definitely real and the Mueller report was going to prove that Donald Trump had took money and worked with the Russians to get elected and all this other stuff. Didn't prove any of that. No evidence of collusion whatsoever right evidence of potential obstruction yes evidence of collusion absolutely not um and adam schiff still talks about that still says donald trump's a, a, a putin asset despite you know all the things he's done that hurt russia so it's like I, I, maybe we shouldn't listen to adam schiff what does the washington post say boom adam schiff once wanted to be a hollywood screenwriter can he give the Trump presidency a Hollywood ending? So they are literally applauding the guy who is trying to lead impeachment proceedings. They are literally saying, hey, he used to write fiction, <laughs> right? He, he used to write fiction. Wouldn't it be great if he concocted a fiction now that got President, President Trump impeached? You're a fucking newspaper. What is what is happening? What is happening here? This is outrageous. <laughs> like I, 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 it's it's ridiculous. There's a there's a line in it. He's in charge of calling witnesses, taking depositions, and subpoenaing documents. More than that, it's his job to stitch it all together into a believable, easy-to-follow narrative. Imagine the pitch meeting. It's like the Manchurian candidate, except the president has heel spurs. It's the godfather meets Borat. It, it, it's... I, I just... I can't. This is five days of washington post this is this is this is five days of the washington post reporting they've done two pr pieces for the head of isis they have falsely attacked a female judge as being unqualified um and attacked her for something she wrote 25 years ago because donald trump wants her in um so again remember we want women in positions of power just not republican women um they <laughs> they they wrote to the fucking daily wire demanding to know whether they made a dog meme and then published a false <laughs> version of the quote they got back they are praising a political operative for wanting to be a screenwriter and are hoping and rooting that he can come up with a good ending for his unwarranted bullshit. I, I this is not a this isn't news anymore. This isn't journalism anymore, guys. This is this is beyond the pale. This paper is trash. This publication is garbage. Five days. And this is what we're dealing with, folks.